0: Welcome to the Or Halev Podcast with Rabbi James jacobson Mazels. So last time we started talking about softness and hardness, and the way in which we protect ourselves by hardening, and we open ourselves by softening. The way Pharaoh's heart was hard, that's what we do when we feel threatened, faced with threat. And the way we can, instead of striking back or protecting ourselves, we can choose to soften into the next moment, soften into that, which feels dangerous. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Footloose. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. <laughs> great film. So anyway, the, the story of the film is that there's a town in America where they've outlawed dancing. Right? You're not allowed to dance in the town. Because they're trying to protect their kids from sex, drugs, and rock and roll, basically, right? Because <laughs> um, some kids were killed in a car crash, coming back for a club, you know. And, and it makes sense. It's like, this happened, it was bad, it was scary, let's shut down, right? Let's get in control. Let's stop it from happening again. And that's what we do. like something happened that was scary that was bad let's harden so it doesn't happen again and it totally makes sense I mean it's, it's important to recognize the first step is to recognize that it totally makes sense of course you want to harden of course you want to shut down right because whatever it was hurt and that sucks right like who wants to be in pain nobody so we want to shut down we want to stop the pain And that makes sense, right? But the problem, of course, is that when we shut down the pain, we shut down the heart. And then there's no dancing, right? And who wants to live in a world with no dancing, Mm. right? (laughs) Right? There's no dancing. Mm. And we do that to ourselves all the time. The adult in us, you know, the adult, says no and shuts down and clamps down and wants to make us safe and wants to remove all threats and all danger. And the kid in us, you know, often wants to go wild and dance and play and experiment. And so we're practicing to give that child some room to play, some room to experiment, some room to be who he or she really is. And so we can just notice all the walls we've put up, all those places of hardness and protection, all the places where we're terrified of what's coming over the wall, being swamped, of being overwhelmed, of like, you know, it's like we're in a medieval castle and the invaders are going to come with their like grappling hooks and ladders and they're going to swarm over the walls, right? (laughs) And we're desperate to keep them out. And what we actually want to do is just soften the wall. I let the wall turn into water and then it can just melt It can just melt. And then all of a sudden there's this huge space because this tiny room we built for ourselves with walls, which feels very safe. Like the walls fall, they turn into water and I'm in this massive open field. And how lovely is that? It's like so nice. And so that spaciousness, that breadth, is just waiting for us. It's just waiting for us to open, to open, to own some, and to feel that natural and inherent expansiveness, which is actually our nature. And when we do that, we let ourselves get touched by the world. Right, We make ourselves open and vulnerable and then we're touched by the world. And it's challenging because my teacher, Michelle McDonald, she said, you know, it's like a flower. It's like those flowers that open. There's only two options. There's open and there's closed. They don't get to be like, well, I'll open to the sunshine, but then when the storm comes, I'm going to close. Right? It's just open or closed. Those are the two states. Right? Which is scary because then the storm comes and we're open. But so painful to be closed you know it hurts so much to be closed and ultimately it hurts less to be open that's sort of in some ways it's the core insight and experience that we cultivate in the practice we start to learn it over and over again which is that ultimately it hurts less to be open so we might as well open either way there's gonna be some pain there's no avoiding the pain (laughs) but it hurts less to be open And the more and more we open, the less and less it hurts. And we're very uncertain. Like one of my teachers, Amita said, she said, you know, it's like somebody offers you a hand and if there's been violence in your life, for instance, it might be like, well, what does that hand mean? Is that hand going to hit me? Is that hand going to hold me? Right? I don't know what that hand means. And it's that way in which the world is always sort of offering us a hand, offering to touch us. And often we kind of brace ourselves against it. We protect ourselves. And we're inviting the option here of instead opening of embracing it, of accepting, of doing a kind of spiritual jujitsu and just welcoming in whatever comes and turning it to our advantage. And it'll come as no surprise to you that talking about this softening, the softening of the heart, the softening of the body. So the Pizetzner just talks about this notion of softening over and over again. He says that we have to soften and soften and soften our hearts. Even in the face of that which feels um, threatening. So in the in the Ish Kodesh, which is his work written in the Shoah, in the Ghetto, where he says... You can't become accustomed to suffering. It's forbidden to become accustomed to suffering. You can't let your compassion be blunted, but you have to let your heart be dissolved from the pain. And it's scary. It's like, it's never mind for him in that situation. It's scary for us in our situation to think the sheer volume of suffering out there, how could I actually open my heart to all of that suffering? Wouldn't I be just like ripped apart by it? Wouldn't I be destroyed by it if I actually open my heart to all that suffering? But the thing is, when we open our heart to all that suffering, it just passes through us and we respond with compassion. It's not that we don't feel. It. It's not that we're indifferent. We're not indifferent. We're totally present. We care about it deeply. There's sadness. There's compassion. But it's not overwhelming. We don't feel like we're being bashed, flooded, overwhelmed, smashed. Right? I don't know if you've you know. Probably you have all done some surfing. I don't know if real surfing. I've done real surfing, but like body surfing, right? <laughs> so you're surfing and it's great, and then it's like smash, and all of a sudden like water's up the nose, and you're spitting out sand, and right, and that's what happens, right? And and often we feel that way. It's like, oh, we're just going to get smashed if I'm there. And when we're really open, when we're open, we can actually ride that wave. And it's okay. It's okay. It takes us right into shore. You know? And when we soften like that, in that compassion, is a great deal of wisdom. The again, says, again in the in discussion, he says... At a lower level, when we're not very clear, um, we can sometimes see the ways we've messed up, see the ways we've sinned, we've hurt people. But we can see it only intellectually. Like we have some idea in our mind that I may have messed up and hurt somebody. But when our heart is softened, we actually feel the pain of the sin, and we repent immediately. Right? Something really precious there. It's like, oh right, when well, my heart is soft, I mess up in some way, I don't need to, why don't we feel the pain We don't feel the pain because we're actually protecting ourselves. It's like too vulnerable and scary to say, oh, I really hurt somebody. I really messed up there, right? It's like too challenging to who I think I am, and it's too challenging to recognize that like, I wasn't very nice to that person, or like I just yelled at my kid, you know? And my mind wants to all of a sudden go into all these stories of justification or to just ignore it or whatever else or whatever other ways I can have of not fully confronting the fact that like that was not wise and that was painful and don't do that. Right. And if my heart's soft. Then maybe I lose my way for a second. But then I see like, oh, that wow. So I just can just feel it directly sort of like in the body that hurt that hurt. Oh, of course that doesn't feel good. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Right, and it's what's amazing about it is that we don't have to take it with us. It doesn't have to go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like things happen. They can arise. Mistakes can happen, and the mistake can kind of end there. Right. It's not like the mistake happens and then it's like the next days and weeks and months and all of a sudden there's a hardness developed in me or the person I was with or my kid or whatever. Right. It's like oh, it happened and Right there, we can let it come out. And right there, I can hear like, their fear, or their anger, whatever their response was, or whatever they felt in response to however I messed up. Right? And when we're soft, again, the Pizetzner says, he says, when our heart and our midot are soft, we feel the good and the bad, life and death. We just get to feel it all. We get to feel all the emotions. We don't have to block any of them. We don't have to not have any of them. We feel the joy and the sadness and the pain and the pleasure. And the world is so much more full and alive. It's so much more present. It's so much more delightful to be in. You know, you can notice the tendency in yourself and in others around you to tell you you shouldn't be feeling things. Right? Don't buy that. Right? <laughs> That's not true. So whenever he tells you you shouldn't be feeling that. When your mind says oh you shouldn't be feeling that that's not acceptable that's not okay that's not an all right emotion you know that's not the thing you should be feeling just recognize for a moment it's helpful to recognize that like oh your mind's just lying right Your mind's just making stuff up because your mind is scared and wants to protect itself and it's also true of the other people around you right they're just scared so they'll be like don't be angry whatever Right, and that's okay it's okay that they're scared but don't you take it seriously right that's just their fear talking it's just their fear talking and it makes sense because it might feel overwhelming for them but that's not your problem right your job and your problem is to be honest to what's actually happening to you right now like um I haven't thought of this in a while, but, um, you know, when my sister died, I came home, I was in the East and like it happened. It was crazy. But anyway, I found out, got on a plane, came home. I was like, just distraught, you know, like, totally crying. And my mom was like, don't cry. Don't cry. Right. Just because she was totally overwhelmed. And, and that's sort of an extreme example, so it was clear and easy for me to see. Well, like, no, I'm going to cry, right? <laughs> like, that's not going to happen, right? I'm going to scream or whatever. So that was just, it was very clear. But, but in subtle ways all the time, people are like, don't cry, don't cry. And that can be like, let me get you a tissue. Or you want a cup of water? Or, um, right? Or sometimes even like, you know, let me give you a hug. Right? Give you a hug, it can be supportive. But giving you a hug can be like, Oh, 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 it's a little too much. Don't cry. Let me comfort you so it feels safe and okay. Right? But when we're soft and there isn't that hard place of protection, then we can just cry. And what's wrong with crying? Right? What's wrong with crying? Actually, as you all know, crying feels great. When you actually let yourself cry. But it doesn't feel that great when it's like crying and you're fighting the crying at the same time and it's that like (laughs) right thing. But when you're just like crying, crying's great. Crying's cleansing, crying's opening, crying's a gift. Right? So the softness, the softness is the willingness to stop trying to protect ourselves. And to stop trying to buy into the minds and other people's stories of protection, like the mind, other people are gonna be like, "Oh no, no, no! no. Let's make this okay, whatever way it needs to be okay." Right? And the softness is being like, "Oh, it's totally not okay, and that's totally okay, right?" It's like, and I can be okay with that because I'm just gonna cry now. I'm gonna be really sad. Like, yeah, that's sad. Of course, I'm gonna be sad, right? And then maybe I'll feel something else. Which is also totally fine like maybe I'll feel joy then and that's totally fine right there's no prescription there's no thing you're supposed to be doing or supposed to be feeling you can just soften right into the loss right right into the place of pain and you can notice exactly when you don't because A, you can just take into the texture in the body. And there's going to be some hardness there. And B, your mind is going to be in some way running away, running away, running away from that experience, right? I said denial, right? It's not just a river in Egypt, right? <laughs> right. All right, we're going to be some way denying that this is the case. In whatever way, like we're going to either distract ourselves, we're going to do something else, right? Have a cup of coffee we're going to just pretend it isn't the case. Right. Even, you notice, I'm just going to like right now in my practice, I don't even know why this came up maybe because I was thinking about softening and then this image I told you about My sister, when I came home, came up and then like this thought came up right now, which was like, maybe she's still alive or maybe this is going to happen and she's going to come back. Right which like soon after she died was like very frequent, very, very frequent, right? And it's still there in my mind because part of my mind, of course, doesn't want to accept the fact that that's true. Right, so it comes up and part of my mind still is like, no, that's not true, that's not true. There's some way my mind can maybe play some game that I can find a way in which that's not true, right? So that's okay, it's okay. Like, of course, that's really painful. Of course, my mind doesn't want that to be true. I don't want to fall into believing that story of my mind, because then I just get lost and trapped, right? So I can notice and be like, oh, can I get back in touch with the pain? It's like, oh, yeah, that still really hurts. Oh, it still really hurts. Can I just soften with it? Can I just be present with it again? It still really hurts. It's okay. Zetner says you just need to soften and soften until your heart seems to melt not mess, he says. And you begin to cry more freely than you ever cried at Comidre. Right? So you just melt and soften, soften, soften until the heart melts, the heart melts. And and you know he says, I think it's really precious, that we actually wanna we actually wanna see those those moments of broken heartedness. As opportunities, it's like I feel a little brokenheartedness. Oh, thank you. Can I just soften right now into that? Instead of right, the tendency the mind is, oh, 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 let's run away in some way. What if we could train the mind to say, oh, a little bit of pain coming up. Oh, wonderful, it's an opportunity to soften, right? Thank you. It's such a great formal practice in your meditation you can do. Especially on retreat, but even in your normal practice, which is like, practice, practice, something hard comes up, thank you. The first response, whatever comes up, you're just, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Like, what a gift that you've come up right now. What a great opportunity for me to start to soften. He says, you need to seize the opportunity to go deep and to root out your worms. (laughs) It's great, right? He says, oh, it comes up, there's a little broken heartedness. That's your chance your chance to touch that, to soften into it, to really open it, to let all that schmutz, all the stuff in there, all the worms, all like the yichsa, right, come out. And a great way to do that, you know, is also so in prayer. In the Gemara, in Sota, it says, Amar zakaya. Prayer isn't heard until a person makes his heart soft like flesh, right? You have to make your heart soft like flesh for your prayer to be heard. And then it says, uh, Rav is interesting, pulling on a pasuk, he says, and then it says, and when we do that, it is written that it is healed. Not concerning the person, but concerning the flesh, right? So when we have that softness, we experience the healing. that softness in prayer for instance is just fully admitting and touching and offering to Hashem how much it hurts right now or what it is you really want right instead of that hardness which is oh no, no no I'm not gonna admit I really want that or that that really feels vulnerable for me it's just like being like oh I really want X I really want Y right It's actually quite vulnerable to say that because it feels like, Oh, might not happen. And you're right. It might not happen, right? (laughs) We're not saying I really want X because then X is going to happen. We're just admitting that that is what's happening in me right now. That is my desire. I'm putting it out that this is what I want and I'm not in control of it, right? That's why I'm putting it out there. It's like, I want this. I might do some things about it. And even if I do everything I can about it, it still might not happen. Right? So we soften, we soften, we soften. We see we're not in control. We see we're dependent, right? It's one of the scary things about softening. I was thinking, I've been asked to write a piece about Birkat Kohanim, right? And uh, one thing I love about Birkat Kohanim, so we get to live here and we actually get to do Birkat Kohanim fairly frequently. Unless, you know, if you're outside of Israel, it happens, at least if you're Ashkenazi happen just a few times a year. And um, I've noticed, but, you know, depending where you're davening, but in most places, people aren't necessarily that focused most of the time. And maybe there's a little chatting going on, and there's lots of other things going on. But during Brikat Kohanim, people are actually pretty focused. They, like, stand up, wrap themselves in their talit, there's no chatting, like, people are actually there. And it's one of the few times, I think, as sort of moderns in a certain way, that we just receive blessing. It's like, how often do we just receive stuff, right? And pre-modern times that happened more, maybe if, you know, there are parts of the Jewish world where that happens more, but for most of us here, probably, that doesn't happen that much, right? It's like not part of our world. Most of our world is sort of us doing stuff and being autonomous individuals and everything. And to the extent that we interact with Prakat Konim, like I bless my kids, it's in that position as a child, right? So like receptivity as a child, which is beautiful. For our love, is we all get up in shul, and you know maybe it's different for the konim, I'm not a konim, so I can talk about that for those of you who are konim. But for <laughs> those of you who aren't konim, you get to get up in shul, and, and for a moment, you just get to receive. And what does it say? It says, bahava, right? We do this blessing, bahava, in love. Like, you just get to receive. There's no work to do, there's nothing, you're not in control. You just get to receive it for a moment. When we do that, he says his beautiful image, he says, what happens? We soften and our eyes look upward as if we were looking directly into his eyes, into Hashem's eyes. And he gazes back at us and is delighted by our gaze. And it's like a parent and child were looking in each other's faces. And the father can't restrain him out, restrain himself. He reaches out and hugs and kisses his child. And the heart dissolves in bliss and longing and the soul bursts out of its confines lovely like we, we look to the divine and softening and the divine can't help but give us a hug I mean, just can't help it they right? can't hold back and then our heart melts even more and it's because in that softness is love right When we soften that's the place of love that's where we touch that love that's always already present inside of us it's beautiful poem I read before by Mary Oliver called wild geese she says you do not have to be good You do not have to walk on your knees for hundreds of miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers it's, offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. We feel sometimes like we have to be good. We have to crawl on our knees to the desert repenting, right? We have to beat ourselves up, the blame, the critique, the judgment, whatever it is. The expectation, the um, uh, achievement, right? Like you have to achieve something, you have to make something happen. But we just have to let the soft animal of our body love what it loves, right? We don't have to do anything, we don't have to make anything happen. And when we do that, the world actually just offers itself to us so amazing. Like you soften and the world offers itself to you. And it's so beautiful. I love the ending. Over and over announcing your place in the family of things. How often do we feel sometimes that we don't have a place? That it's not our place? You know? How much do we all long in a certain way just to be at home wherever we find ourselves? I feel like Somebody said that, Tony Morrison or somebody, I don't know who. <laughs> it's like we just want to be at home wherever we find ourselves. Right? And that's a really wonderful desire. And one of the great things about the desire is that it's achievable. Right? It's not achievable to actually create a home and a place of safety in the sense of like. Physically, environmentally, relationshipally, wherever we find ourselves. That's not always possible. It's not in our control, right? But it is possible to find and see our place in the family of things. To be at home wherever we find ourselves. And in a certain sense, and it's like, you know, for those of you who are new and for those of you who've been coming for a while, Basically, I only say like three things, right? <laughs> we say them over and over again. <laughs> so we can like try to actually make them happen in our mind and hearts and bodies, right? <laughs> it's very little new information. And there are many ways because there are some of the whole thing we're doing in one thing. And one way is just how do I make myself at home? I just soften into what's true right now. That's all. Like If I can just fully soften into what is true right now, then I'm home. Then I'm home. There's nowhere else to go. If I just stop resisting what's true right now, I'm home. That's it. Done. Right? Doesn't mean I don't do something the next moment. Doesn't mean there's lots of responses. But I give up the war. I give up the battle. I soften. I stop protecting. And I'm at home. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. So we're going to pause there for today. Uh, We'll continue with softness next time. Um, and as usual for now we'll open it up to questions, thoughts if anyone wants to share or ask Um, something I'm wondering is if you're talking about opening and really being with our emotions but then it's also a part yes, definitely yes and also sometimes we do have to carry on with our work keep going and we can't just like at home and cry. Yeah. Um, so, sort of, how do you find that balance of being authentic with your emotions, letting yourself cry, and then yeah. how do you then pick yourself up and be like, I can't do that today. Like, I can't think about that today. I just have to keep going. Yeah. Um, so, the first thing is that we don't create enough space, first of all, for the sit at home and cry. Right? <laughs> Sometimes we're a little too quick with the uh, got to pick myself up and go on It's like really actually maybe I could take five minutes ten minutes half an hour to feel something right so so just be a little suspicious first of all of that tendency like no gotta go on it's like no you don't right just stop for a moment let it happen if you can't do it then try and actually set a time when you're going to do it and that's important because you're gonna to say to what's inside I can't fully deal with you now It's not because you're bad and I'm rejecting you, right? I'm going to come back to you later, right? And maybe say, I'm going to come back to you then, like tonight at 8 p.m. When I'm home, you're not being abandoned, right? But just, I can't be with you right now because I'm in the middle of a meeting, for instance, right? (laughs) Yeah, you may be in the middle of a meeting, something arises. It's like, oh, I can't really fully be with us and cry right now. But, and this is key, the not being with you doesn't have to be an act of violence and hardness. That's the thing. It never has to be like pick myself up, get myself together, batter down the hatches, you know, whatever, and now I can be in this meeting. It can be like, Oh, I see you, sweetie, it's okay. I'm gonna come back to you. I can't be with you right now. I'm gonna put you aside, I'm gonna come back. But even that can be done with softness. We don't have to harden there, we don't there's no violence, there's no rejection, there's no repression. It's just like seeing it and coming back and that's hard to do, but the more we do it, the more graceful we can be. And the more that mindfulness is present, the more spaciousness is there so that that can arise without feeling overwhelming. So I go sadness is arising. I see you. I could even feel you for 30 seconds, even in the middle of the meeting. So I can take 30 seconds and be like, Oh, nobody will notice. You know, they're talking, right? (laughs) And then I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna come back to you in a second, but right now I have to be with what's happening right now. I have to sort of be out there with the world. I would just like to add to that, since you suggested challenging our being suspicious, uh, perhaps also challenging the norm that it's not okay to be uh, who we are in terms of what we're feeling, with in whatever social context we find ourselves. Probably there's times when that might feel inappropriate, but uh, it might also Participate in creating a different social norm where actually it is okay to be who you are, or there's skillful ways of, uh, you know, or just saying what's happening for you, which can be easy. Yeah, I mean, and also to create that consciously sometimes. Like for instance, maybe it's hard at a meeting at work, but maybe you also feel it's hard with a certain group of friends or acquaintances. Maybe you can just say to them, "Hey." this is what I'm feeling, I'm going to go take time, or in advance, to friends, like, I'm trying to feel things more now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If things is be feeling, I might take a break, I might step out, is that okay, right, yeah. I find that sometimes when I'm trying to soften something, it often disappears, yeah, and so, and, and I don't get there, yeah. you know, and then my mind goes on something else, yeah, well, there's sort of two ways that can happen. I mean, there are probably more ways than that, but at least two ways I'm this. One is that, actually, you just soften to something and then it moves on. And that's okay. Because that's what happens to things. Things arise and pass and arise and pass. And sometimes we've softened and there's no resistance, so it's just done. It's like, that's all I needed, you know? a the of the time, you come up, you soften to it, it's like, okay, bye. And that's fine. Like, you're moving on, you're doing something else. Sometimes, isn't it comes up and you start to soften and it's kind of hiding, right <laughs> And if that happens in my experience, so then something else will come up right So maybe their thoughts are getting distracted or numbness arises <clears> or something else sort it takes its place right So then you can just be with that right So if thought comes up, notice the thought and ask where do I feel the thought of my body? So I'd be committed to coming back, 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 back back the next moment If numbness arises, so you can just be in soften with the numbness. Because the numbness is just another strategy of self-protection. Yeah. But we don't have to. When we soften and open. That's important because sometimes I, you know I can get the impression it's not like we. What the professor says it is true. Sometimes we are sort of excavating and opening and letting things come out. But also that we're just like opening and then oh it moves on. And that's great. Like it, nothing, not everything has to be so heavy. Sometimes it's just like things arise and we're a little more skillful with it, and then it's done. End of story. say something about the end of class, and then I'll see if there's time for one more question if you want to ask. Um, uh, For those of you who are new, welcome. Um, Could somebody put up a sign-up sheet so you could put down their emails? We have a pen and a piece of paper. Want to do that? Yes. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Um, So if you're new and would like to know when this class is is and isn't meeting, you can just sign up your name and email address. and sometimes we meet most times we meet but every once in a while we don't next week we're off we're off okay next week we're off Um, there is this class is by donation Uh, nobody pays me to do this so I'm just supported by you and that's what supports the practice so again we were a little behind today Um, can somebody put like a cup or there's an awesome there's a hat great so you can just put your donations in the hat somebody uh, Danny will you collect Thank you very much. I will collect the money. I'll run out because I catch a bus to the north. Um, But the money will be collected and get to me. So thank you very much. That's greatly appreciated. Um, We have a week-long retreat coming up in March. So it's our, what we do, one week-long retreat a year um, in a few weekends, you know. So it is an extraordinary opportunity to really, really deepen, deepen your practice. Beautiful. There we go. There's the poster. Thank you. Um, and hopefully by next time we'll have some more flyers and posters that we can give out to people to hang up places. Um, So uh, if you have thoughts and questions, please be in contact with me. There are also lots of people here. Maybe raise your hand if you've been on a week-long retreat. All those people with raised hands you can talk to (laughs) about their experience and what that means and it's not too overwhelming and you can do it. Um, It's a really extraordinary way and you get to kind of Deep in and open in a way that just isn't possible uh, in daily practice and in, and in shorter retreats. So, again, would love for you all to be there, anybody who can be there. Um, please help uh, put the room back in order. Is there somebody here who knows how to turn off the heat, the mazganine, the power for the heat? No, okay, I'm just going to do it on my way out. I'll show it to somebody next time. Um, wonderful. Uh, any last question? Like two before I to run. No? Great. Um, so wonderful sitting with everybody Thank you so much See you all in two weeks Have a wonderful tibishvat. You've been listening to the Or Halev podcast with Rabbi James Jacobson Mazels. For more information about Or Halev and how to stay up to date with our podcasts visit the website at orhalev.org